Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Where the story goes, we follow. Chris Smith on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, good to have you company. We'll get to Prue McSween and also Alex Zaharoff-Royd coming up in this hour on the program. Don't go anywhere. There's a lot to tell you about. And I promised I'd tell you about what's happening in Canada, that there was um, a major development in Canada's crackdown of farming protests last year. So this is news out of Ottawa. The Justice Centre is pleased to announce that the legal and constitutional challenge against the first ever invocation of the Emergencies Act filed as Jost et al. versus Canada has been decided in favour of the citizens, a citizen's victory, who participated in the peaceful 2022 Freedom Convoy in Ottawa. The Justice Centre provided lawyers for these Canadians who launched a court action within 10 days of the Emergencies Act being invoked and who sought a court declaration that the Emergencies Act was invoked without legal justification. Now, Jim Ferguson, uh, who in the UK is uh, a terrific independent journalist and he writes terrific stuff. He's been following this case since uh, Justin Trudeau decided to launch this Emergencies Act to try and stop those farming protests. Well, he says that the Trudeau regime is now in serious trouble. Once again, farmers getting some traction around the world, not just in Europe, not just in the UK, but in North America. This news, writes Jim Ferguson, is massive and vindicates all Canadians who stood their ground and held the line. A proud moment for the brave Canadians who did the right thing, and I'm proud to have met, and he mentions a few of the leaders and the other leaders of the Freedom Convoy, while on my visit to Ottawa, great people, Canada can be proud of those who resisted. You see, all of a sudden, Justin Trudeau thought, surely I can use an act of the Constitution to to stymie free speech and protest. That's when leaders crossed the line. And in this case, um, they went too far and the citizens won. That is a great victory for free speech in the world. And let's just hope that no other leader, and I said this at the beginning of the program, tries to bung this on to pull this fake, um, fake attempt to stop free speech against farmers in Europe and the UK because they are forming in very large numbers right now, forming convoys to say enough is enough of the green reforms. Stop hurting the things that produce food for the population of the world. So let's keep across all of that. Uh, Very quickly, before I get to Prue, there's a terrific story in the UK Telegraph today about weather. When I say weather, The UK has been under, well, some freezing cold temperatures. It's had gale force winds. It's had a deal of flooding as well. Uh, A very bad winter, but it's not the first time they've had a bad winter. But it's interesting. A fellow, um, and I'll give you the name of the guy who wrote the article, Ross Clark, who's a columnist with the UK Telegraph, just put it superbly. It was one of those articles you read and you start to cheer as you read paragraph after paragraph. It says... Apparently, Britain was lashed by hurricane-force winds on Sunday night. How do I know? Because I read it on the news. 
I presume this conclusion was reached by taking the highest gust speed recorded by the Met Office, 99 miles per hour in Northumberland, and comparing it with the minimum wind speed used to define a Category 1 hurricane, which is 74 miles per hour. Given that 99 is higher than 74, then bingo, Britain suffered hurricane-force winds. There is just one problem. 99 mile per hour was the speed of a gust recorded at one exposed location, while 74 miles per hour is the sustained wind speed required for a storm to be declared a hurricane. There is a world of difference, he writes. The highest gust speed ever recorded in Britain, in fact, was getting on for twice what was recorded on Sunday, 173 miles per hour in 1986. He says for most of the country, Storm Isha was more like a 30-mile-per-hour storm, and today's Storm Jocelyn looks like it could be slightly less. The maximum wind speeds were a long, long, long way from a hurricane across our major cities, nor is the blusterness down to climate change. The Royal Met Society concludes in its latest State of the Climate report that there is a downward trend in damaging winds being recorded in the UK. <gasps> you mean a weather agency is downplaying the extreme weather? That will upset the Green Evangelist in the UK no end. They have said there have been fewer occurrences of maximum gust speeds exceeding 40, 50, 60 uh, miles per hour. And then he says, not that facts seem to matter when it comes to our growing fondness for catastrophizing UK weather. This is happening right around the world. Catastrophizing any kind of extreme weather, whether it's a, a storm. I've never heard a storm like it. Some people are saying in the local area, they've never seen a storm in all their... Like, you know what I'm talking about. We catastrophize anything that says it's some kind of extreme weather event. Give us a break. It is a massive beat up, this stuff. Relax. Technology, if we need to adjust the temperature of the planet, we will find a way to do it eventually. Let's not spend trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars doing something that we can't change. This is Chris Smith on TNT. Be a part of the conversation. I want representation I can trust. Have your say. Biden isn't doing enough. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Or you can listen to John Christie, who wrote in one of the first ever IPCC reports that it's better that we are warming slightly on this planet than on a cooling trajectory because a cooling trajectory will lead to extinction. I'll stick with what John Christie says. Um, my next guest is the founder and director at Verve Communications in Australia, a former television news reporter, host of television and radio programs, and star of Celebrity Apprentice Australia. Her name is Prue McSween. Prue, welcome to the program. Hi, Smithy. you still got that fuzz. Get rid of it, mate. Do you reckon? Yeah, get Beryl, rid of it. Your daughter's hey, wrong. Are you writing to me under the non plume Beryl? <laughs> Is it no, you? I'm definitely not Beryl, that's for sure. <laughs> right. Well, Beryl writes to me and says, get rid of the fuzz, and you're saying get rid of the fuzz. <laughs> Sorry, mate, it just isn't flattering. As a Sheila, I'm telling you, get rid of it. Okay. 
All right. <laughs> Maybe it will last a lot shorter than what I think or what I plan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the count is not entirely over, but Donald Trump has won. They're saying it's a comfortable win. It's 54 to 43 approximately. Uh, Biden has won the Democratic vote. Uh, Trump is clearly one major step closer to the White House because this was the primary that Nikki Haley hoped to win. Yep. Look, I'm rooting for Trump. Now, probably it's not wise using rooting and Trump in the one sentence, but in this case I am because... We'll have to tell our American audiences what that means because rooting oh. in the Australian context <laughs> is like having sex. Yeah, well, that's why I just qualified yeah, why yeah. it's not wise to put it. But for them, it's, for us, it's barracking for him. And I tell you why, because while he's obnoxious, offensive, vile in all of those <laughs> and a lot worse, as we know, he's a man we need to lead us at this time. In this era of PC, weak leaders, woke, you know, marginal marginalising the mainstream and, you know, prioritising the, the, the minorities. He's the corrector. We're finding he will be the game changer. And that's right, he's the corrector. So I'm not surprised people are voting for him. And while they've been throwing everything at him, and of course we know that that's actually been quite successful for him, uh, the Democrats may still win because he's got, what? what is it, something like 96 legal matters uh, he's got to face, and he could be very well in jail by the time of the uh, November election. But at the same time, you know, I think he'll find a way. He's mm. just, you can't underestimate the guy. And the point is, he's got what it takes. We need strength in the presidency. At this stage, we've got this ridiculous situation where we've got an inept, weak, sick old man mm. who really mustn't be making the decisions. Others will be making the decisions for yeah. him. And it's why Afghanistan was such a debacle. It's why now that Hamas and Lebanon, all of them are, are invigorated. They know that he's incapable of making decisions. As Putin decisions. was. As Putin exactly, was. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, let's hope that this Trump train continues. Uh, he is everything that everyone who hates him says and, uh, he yes. is. But the point is we need him. We need yes. him. And there's no one better. DeSantis, he was a whip. He was a big talker. You know, no wonder he put lifts in his shoes, but being taller wasn't going to help him, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, and Haley is not right now. You know, she's not the right person for this time. So I think, uh, you know, Trump's going to just keep walking it in. All right. Now, Australia, the Australian Prime Minister, he cannot keep a promise to save his life. He's now broken another one. It's another major promise. This time the stage three tax cuts, which were law, L-A-W, are no more. He's used the allocation to, in part, suck up to middle Australia, who, of course, are doing it tough, but they're doing it tough. One of the reasons they're doing it tough is because the government has done diddly, done nothing about the cost of living and, and shooting high inflation. But I want to rewind the tape to when he was after our vote. Because uh, I've always been a man of my word, and, and I believe that uh, when you go to an election and you make commitments, you should stick to them. Word is my bond. And uh, we said during the election campaign uh, that we would maintain 
the position that had already been legislated. Well, he promised a saving of $275 on our power bills. They've now gone up about $500 on average. Um, He promised that we would have stage three tax cuts as the law intends um, appear in 2025. And then he's making a decision which he will announce tomorrow that says that they will be cut in half. This bloke can't lie straight in bed. And you know what he's doing, which is so typical Labor, he's reigniting class wars. You know, it's not fair that the people who are aspirational, who work hard, and let's face it, these days, if you're earning 180 grand to 200 grand and living in a, a city like Sydney, you're doing it pretty tough. Yeah. You And you are a tradie or a teacher or an educator. You know, you're not the wealthy, which he keeps trying to say that people are. You know, the man is a, a liar. Uh, he's a drowning man and he's going coming out fighting, as we know. He'll resort to anything he can. But what he's done is betrayed the voters, the people who, who saw the, the new hairdo, the new teeth, the new seat suit and thought, oh, I'll give this guy a, a go. This is the most damaging prime minister we've had in this country for years. He's so left-leaning, so socialist. He's undermining our um, our businesses no wonder, and our energy, no wonder people aren't coming here to, to to set up a shop. I mean, people are leaving it. It's the brain drain of skills and intellect in this country because if you are aspirational, if you want to work hard and get on, you're going to be penalised. Yeah, and, and how do big corporations form an agreement with a government that doesn't keep its promises, Prue? Well, you just can't, Smithy, because, you know, in the end, unless we can put robots in, we're always going to have the unions, their mates, knocking on the door and demanding more and more or holding us all to ransom. This country is grinding to an economic halt and we are in so much trouble. And when you look at what he's doing, you know, and he's he's probably thinking, oh, this is smart politics. It's a betrayal politics. And, you know, he thinks that he's going to win back the, the, the workers, the people who abandoned Labor years ago. But sadly, then these people, he doesn't understand, he's out of touch, that the traditional Labor voter is actually the worker. Yeah. He's the one who's actually bringing in more money now, or she, yeah. and he doesn't understand who his contingency is, who his constituents are. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is where they're losing touch. And I believe that this is going to really bite him on the bum. We cannot trust politicians. We all know that. But in this case, this guy has painted himself as Australia's friend. But, you know, he was missing in action. He spent half a million dollars pursuing his obsessive voice. That's the money. If he really cared about middle Australia and the cost of living, why would he have wasted half a million dollars prancing around trying to get this ridiculous voice up? And then, of course, MIA overseas, so he could grandstand on the world stage. The guy is a disaster. It'll be interesting to see if he lasts for the next election or if, you know, the the caucus, whose sphincters must be going nine into the dozen, (laughs) think that maybe Jim Sharma's might be a better option. I don't know. But honestly, if he goes to the election, I can't see the guy winning. And, if you know, Dutton's... Dutton, they keep saying he's not popular with women, 
Women are sick of being relegated to mindless fools who don't like the look of people. Or, you know, we have a brain. We can see what's going on. And I think Dutton's smart enough to maybe just, you know, turn the tables. Let's go to our talkback line. Siv wants to comment on this specific topic. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Siv. Yeah, g'day, Chris. G'day. I would also add, uh, with regard to that whole uh, tax cut thing, I think Labor are sort of conflating the ideas of income and wealth because there is a difference yeah. between income and wealth. I mean, if you're earning whatever it is, 180000 that doesn't necessarily mean you can go off on a first-class holiday. It, no. it just doesn't. You know, so, I mean, we, we've, got to, we've got to distinguish between that whole idea of income. Oh, gee, gee, you know, Fred's earning 800000 Gee, he's, he's on a good wicket. Well, maybe, but does he get to go on holidays? Does he get to have a quality of life? Or is he spending his whole time paying off a ridiculous mortgage? Yeah, it, it's That's very right. easy in Sydney, as Prue says, to have a $180,000 income and at the same time be be st snowed under by a, you know, labouring mortgage and be unable to, to do anything outside of that. That's right, and you've got to meet your bills with all that as well. So um, I wonder if the rich, toffee, very comfortable lefty types would actually have to brain power and the capacity <laughs> and the IQ above room temperature. To, oh, they probably don't. Sorry, I've just expected no, it too much. Good talking, You're fantasizing. <laughs> Thanks, Sib. Good on you, Sib. Thank you very right. much for your call. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've got to go to a quick break. We'll come back, Prue, on TNT. Now, as we move into an election year in US politics at a time when the Western Empire is under attack from within, as if an orchestrated decline is the plan, whilst at the same time the rise of BRICS nations represents a rise of a new multipolar order. Institutions that have controlled the world are at last being questioned for their behaviour and their failures. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, and the proof shall set us free. Those two statements sit at opposite ends of the zeitgeist in a world that is filled with death, destruction, deceit, and a wholesale unwillingness to hold anyone in power to account, except for anyone who takes power against the ruling elite, of course. And then we have seen how that system works. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. government is proposing a law known as the hate speech bill that threatens free speech. This law could have dire consequences for our democracy. This law will have uncertain effects on artistic and musical expression. It could stifle the activity of public campaigning on political and civil issues and also curtail speech relating to topics about religion, ethnicity, sex and gender. You could even be jailed for possessing documents, cartoons or memes on your devices, even if you never read them or intended on sharing them. Mere possession could make you a criminal under this law. Help stop this law. Visit www freespeechireland.ie forward slash take action to bin the hate speech bill. Without CO2, the world stops breathing. 
CO2 sustains all life on Earth. Government, the WEF, and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Just quickly, a face fuzz update. Uh, Annie on the chat box says, Annie says, no, 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 in capital letters. Don't get rid of it. Good on you, Annie. Annie, you must believe in Santa Claus because he looks like it now with all that white fuzz around his mouth. Keith also <laughs> says, Keith from Milpera says, true, right again as always. I too listen to my daughters, but Smithy, you look 10 years younger, clean shaven. Okay. Exactly. Good on you, mate. No, we're not after a debate. We're just after reading some some missives. Um, it's official now, Prue. According to the EMO, A-E-M-O, the Climate Change Minister's renewable energy targets are unachievable. Chris Bowen's Ooh. dream is in tatters. So, of course, is net zero, but nothing official yet. But it's just like their obsession with costly renewables, a pipe dream with no sense of reality. That was the case from the get-go, wasn't it? Look, you know, I... I hated science. I failed it. But I, even me, dumb old me, knew that was never going to be achievable. I mean, the man is a fantasist. And what's worried me is he's a dangerous one. He set Australia on a course where he's got this obsession about, what is it, what is it 80% renewables by uh, 2030? Is he kidding himself? You know, pull the other one, mate, and sing Dixie. You know, it, it's absolutely impossible. 43% emissions reduction by that date is never going to happen. No. And, you know, we all know it. When we voted for these morons, well, I didn't, don't, don't blame me, but mm. the morons who voted for him and believed the hype and felt righteous as they went to their, you know, comfortable beds and thought, oh, I'm saving the planet. Well, you're not saving anything. You certainly ain't saving Australia. And I hope you're suffering with the uh, the twenty percent increase in your your power bills at the moment, yeah. and the yeah. fact that they're ruining our landscape. You know, they're destroying environment to save the environment. Have you ever heard of anything more ridiculous? And then you have all these grifters. Or uh, the fact that Bowen knows he can't meet his deadline, he started this capacity incentive where he's throwing our money at all these companies, many of them international companies, to allow them to grow, to, to build more transmission lines faster, uh, more batteries, more whatever, just to try and save his backside. It yep. ain't going to happen. And even and if then, they are inefficient and don't make a profit out of it, they'll be propped up by the taxpayer. Exactly. And this is the problem. We're already propping them up, yet he conveniently forgets what he's been paying for all this infrastructure when he costs out uh, the, tra the, the cost of renewables and also says that or claims totally wrongly that nuclear is more expensive. You know, it's just a farce and a joke. He's a con man. He has always been inept in every portfolio he's had. And sadly, the joke is on us. Okay. I want to talk about the banning of Australia Day from places like Woolworths and also Aldi. No merchandise, which usually sells in Woolworths and Aldi, will be sold on uh, leading up to Australia Day. Well, I think that it's imploded on both major supermarket chains because they're now putting full-page mea culpas in city newspapers. Today they've done that. There's been this um, 
incredible campaign where the CEO has gone out and spoken to radio stations and television stations and tried to appease the masses, come back to Woolies. Now, I heard a big fat lie there, Prue, because here, here they are having to put a full page ad in, having to go to the media. That tells me that things are uh, really strife-ridden on the floor in Woolies because people are voting with their feet and they're not going into the store. And I know that from personal experience with friends that I know. They'll never go back to Woolworths. So they had to do all of this, and yet they tell us today big, fat porkies about the fact that nothing has changed on their bottom line. BS. But this is another mob, another entity treating us like we're absolute fools. I mean, they need to understand that people have checked out of the Woolworths checkout. I mean, we ain't going there. And it's interesting, the share price has been hit and, uh, you know, we understand that, you know, they're doing a lot worse. That You know, they have no idea. They're reeling from the avalanche of complaints and people walking with their feet. And, and, and the point is we are sick and tired of this attack on our uh, culture. The, they have always underestimated us, same with Albanese and The Voice. Middle Australia, the quiet Australians, we have made up our minds. We are fiercely loyal to our country. Yes. We love our country and we hate the fact, and most of them are bloody foreigners who can't, you know, who've come here, the blow-ins, like the Cricket Australia boss, Balducci, the boss of Woolworths, records he was born here. Well, he may have, but I tell you, he hasn't, he hasn't, growing up with the kind of sensitivities and loyalties that we all have when we used to sing the national anthem at school before yeah. we started school and raise the flag. Yeah. And Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. I just hope that during the cricket match, the first test, uh, you know, uh, day of cricket, that all the Aussies stand up, sing the national anthem and sing out, oi, 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 because we have to show these morons that Australia Day, like Anzac Day, it may not. I, to me, it's just as important. I know the Anzac Day sacrifices, and I hundred percent. No, but love fair call. Australia. It was but Anzac, Anzac Day that created Australia Day. They go hand that's in right. hand. Exactly, and I just feel like everywhere we turn, all our values and principles are being under attack. Whether it's the family, our children who are yeah. being indoctrinated and groomed in schools from babyhood virtually we have to get louder the people who are like me and to and you and most of the people listening to this station have got to start voicing our complaints because we've got this loud minority they're very clever they've inveigled themselves as we know into institutions they talk louder on social media they protest we don't do any of that we're too busy getting on with life yeah. But sadly, we're allowing them to go on the offensive and really influence these morons who are in prime positions, whether it be CEOs, who, of course, are very woke, most of them anyway, or government, yeah. and we need, and councils. I mean, my God, don't talk to me about councils. But we really need to start to say enough is enough, and we need to in Dunleavy. It, it, it's Dunleavy, isn't it, The where the next election is, uh, the by-election? It's done, Levy. I'm having a mental. Anyway, the you know we need to make sure we tell Albanese what's going on, that we don't approve of what he's been doing, and we need to make sure Dunkley. We, Dunkley. Sorry, I knew I wasn't right. Um, and that we also need to check out from all these 
Bastard, go to Coles, go, get away from Woolworths, get away from Aldi and just start voting with our feet and yep. with our wallets and stop putting up with this crap. Correct. I've got to go to a news break. Stay there. I want to ask you about one other issue and I do want to just extend that conversation a little bit on another tangent. We'll do that after some news right here on TNT. Now, TNT Radio News. It's hot tea. It's very hot. It's hot news. Oh, hot. Yeah, it's hot news. Hot news. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The United States has launched retaliatory airstrikes against Iranian-backed militias in Iraq in response to increased attacks against US forces in the region. The White House has defended its decision to sue the state of Texas for trying to stem the flow of illegal immigrants by securing the southern border. And NATO has put in an order for $1.2 billion worth of artillery shells as it seeks to replace those that the bloc has sent to Ukraine. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Whenever we raise the issue of Woolworths abandoning Australia Day, uh, I get so many you know, comments on the chat box. Daniel has just written, I will never go back to Woolworths. They are un-Australian. And I'm telling you, this is hurting them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put these full-page advertisements in the paper or did the media rounds today. But can I just say this, Prue? Isn't it time that Australians stop being entitled, appreciated one of the greatest countries in the world has landed right in front of them. They are enjoying the fruits of paradise in Australia. They should be incredibly grateful for first world conditions in law, health, uh, mortality, you name it. And so should anyone, whether they arrived as a, a, a migrant or whether they were here originally from Indigenous ancestors. They should be incredibly bloody grateful that they live in the world's greatest country. But isn't it ironic, Smithy, that it's the people who have migrated here who are more Australian in a lot of way than we ways than we are. They appreciate yeah. it. They the pride you see on Australia Day. I used to look after Australia Day. My company did the PR for Australia Day right. for ten years. And those and people in the citizenship them. ceremonies break down and oh, cry. They're so gleeful. They did. They they won the lottery in life as we all did. But I have one proviso. There is a bunch of migrants who've come here and they're often second generation then who are resentful, who are trying to change, who are bringing all their troubles over. It's not many, but there's enough to say, why the hell aren't we screening them better? Because they cause trouble. You only have to see on the news every night the names of people who are, you know, murdering each other, drug, you know, drug peddlers, whatever it is. And... I think we've got to be so worried. Well, let's and call it as let's call it as it is, proved yeah. primarily from the Middle East. That's and right. This is why we have Middle Eastern crime squads in our police forces right across Australia. Well, it's not working. That's hard the enough. truth. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're right. But our immigration. Look, we've just had Penny Wong uh, let in. How many eight hundred odd people from Gaza? Have they been screened? No. What are we importing? We know yeah. that most of the people in Gaza supported Hamas. Yeah. So what are we getting here? Yeah. So we have to protect what we have. This is the best country. 
that God, we're looking around and despairing at what's happening around us. That's very true. Some of my Lebanese mates despair about those who come from the same country exactly, that they mine come too. from. All right. Um, and very quickly, Kim Williams, the new chair of the A of the government's ABC. What are your thoughts? Well, look, I know Kim. He's very competent. Of course, he's been a News Limited, boss of News Limited, Foxtel, had a broad scope of experience, but he's going to fit into the ABC so well. He's very woke. <laughs> he's very woke. So we will see, but I have concerns, I must say. I think that the unions, the, the militant uh, staff of the ABC will probably welcome him. Uh, with yep. open arms. So we shall see. We we were hoping that Ita was going to, you know, show the toughness that she has with in other areas. She couldn't beat them. She capitulated. She will argue she didn't, but they are, you know, nothing changed. They're the still staff biased. run the ABC and they that will do. always be the case. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your extended presence, and I appreciate that, and I'll take your advice about the fuzzy wuzzy on uh, advisement. Well, when I'm having a cocktail on holiday next week, and that's just one week, I will be back forever. <laughs> okay, good on you. Thank you, Prue. Thanks, Smithy. Prue McSween, our perfume steamroller, telling it like we uh, enjoy, which is like it is. Great to have her on the program today. Now, we take a complete different tack uh, because we want to talk cyber and technology with the one and only Alex Zaha Rothroyd from Tech advice.life. Alex, welcome back to TNT. Good afternoon, Smithy, and uh, uh, early happy Australia Day to you. Yes, happy Australia Day, considering we won't uh, be, you know, talking with each other until Australia Day. Why not? Um, I want to talk, uh, there's so much to get through today, but I want to talk about Apple launching their updates. This is, uh, this is uh, a series of updates for every one of their the devices, is it? Absolutely, yes. And obviously, there are important security updates that uh, if you don't update, then you'll uh, risk uh, arbitrary code being run on your devices. I mean, there is no internet security software for iPhone. So this is the internet security software. You've got to put that on. But one of the most important things for the iPhone is this new stolen device protection. Now, um, a Wall Street Journal investigation from its reporter noted that, you know, uh, there are people who are... Um, actually targeting people inside of bars and at parties and they're sort of befriending semi-drunk people and watching them as they're typing their four or six digit code into their phone then you know they're stealing their right. phone and because they know that's four or six digit passcode the way apple software is set up you can actually change the the main password to your apple id account and you can lock people out of their photos out of their entire digital lives. So Apple has, and it's taken them a long time, I mean, we're 17 versions into their operating system, but now put a system in place where if you are not at home, if you're in a bar, if you're somewhere that's not one of your frequently visited locations, you have to wait an hour before you can change the, the password if, you know, you, you're looking at the, if you're authenticating with somebody's face. But anyway, they've made it so that your phone cannot simply be, you know, easily changed to somebody else's password which is a great thing because, I mean, our phones these days are the keys to our digital lives and yeah. people have lost their phones, have lost everything. Now, interestingly, the iPad doesn't have stolen device protection yet. A lot of articles on the internet said it did, but when I looked at my iPad, I couldn't find it. Why? Now, you've also got, well, look, I think 
Apple normally launches things for iPads a bit later, like the next generation. They're rolling it out first on on iPhones. iPhones are much easier to steal than iPads, as it were. And, you know, it's much easier to to look over somebody's shoulder as they're typing in a code. I mean, normally you're looking at it and your face unlocks it, but there are various times when, you know, you've got to type in that code. And it's very easy to do shoulder surfing. And that's why, for me, for example, I have a privacy shield on my phone. If I look at my phone, if I'm not looking directly directly on it, you can see it goes it goes dark. And you can uh-huh. buy these privacy you can buy these privacy shields like for about 50 bucks. And so if someone's looking at, at you know over your shoulder, if they're not if they're not directly behind you, and of course somebody can be directly behind you, they can't see what's on the screen. But you can sort of still guess if you're typing in that code. You can you can probably guess, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So it's it's a good idea to have this extra protection. But yeah, it's a shame it's not on iPads yet, but they'll do it. But you've also got things like the ability to um uh collaborate on playlists with with uh, different friends. So a bunch of you and probably young people will be more interested in this, can create playlists together. There's also airplay hotel support, so you can stream content directly to the, to the TV in your room in selected hotels. You've got Apple Care and warranty settings uh, showing your coverage for all the devices signed into your Apple account and crash device optimizations for iPhone 14 and 15, which have that crash protection. So definitely worth putting all the updates on your Apple devices and the security updates are very important too. All right. Now, today marks the 40th anniversary of the introduction of the Macintosh, the computer that ushered in the graphical user interface that we took for granted. Uh, What were some of the memorable milestones along the way for the Macintosh, Alex? Sure. Well, the number one was in 84, you had the graphical user interface. So this is something that Microsoft copied. This is something that Apple was inspired by Xerox, who in the 1970s had a graphical user interface, had the Ethernet, had the mouse, and uh, Apple popularized this so much so that Microsoft wanted to copy it. Then in uh, we had in 1997, I think it was, Steve Jobs came back to Apple and he introduced the iMac. The colorful iMac was in all those different candy colors. We had an era where they had the Rick's, the RIP mix and burn where you could uh, rip music off cds and this was before the ipod had the itunes music store then we had the uh, ipads sorry then we had the macs that were all in one so that really popularized you know the very thin uh macs that we have today they they sort of came from that imac that all in one design i mean the original mac itself was an all-in-one design you had the screen you had a keyboard you had a mouse but uh, that has been popularized and then of course uh, today we have the Macs that have, you know, like 22 hours of battery life for some of the MacBook Pros. And we have the iPhone chip inside the Macs that has been, that has been uh, supercharged to be a chip that can run everything that the Mac does as a desktop computer, but uh, doesn't require a fan, uses very low power and lasts for nearly an entire day. So look, 40 years, I mean, they've got 10% of the market. Uh, things like Chromebooks have come and gone. A lot of the cheap netbooks, those very small computers from about 10 years ago, sort of not really popular anymore. Apple has grown from strength to strength. And, and yet, you know, 10% of the market, uh, 10% of Apple's revenues, uh, it's still a far cry from iPhone, which is 50% of Apple's revenues. But the Mac is still very strong and it's only going to keep growing in popularity. Now, I saw a story today when I was scanning my 100 newspapers online um, from Yahoo uh, about Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Meta Platforms. Now, I don't know what Mark Zuckerberg knows that all of us don't know, but I think he fears for the end of the world because uh, he is reportedly constructing an extensive compound in Hawaii, featuring a unique blend of luxury and survivalist elements. 
The compound known as Cooler Ranch is set to include a 5,000-square-foot underground bunker, mm. complete with its own energy and food supplies. The bunker's design incorporates a metal door filled with concrete, a feature commonly found in bunkers and bomb shelters. Now, this is because he's bought up something like 1,600 acres of land on uh, this section of Hawaii. What's he up to? Does he think that we're about to face the end of the world, maybe? Well, I've read that a lot of billionaires are setting up these bunkers. Why you would do it in Hawaii, which is like on a known fault line and has a, a volcano there. I mean, if there was some sort of major schism, I remember that movie 2012, you know, the, the end yes. of the world. And they were flying and they were flying. They were going to go to Hawaii. And when they sort of flew over Hawaii in that giant Antonov, all they saw was this eruption because, you know, you, you're on a fault line. If there's a, a major global schism, it's going to actually explode. So I don't know how smart it is to build in Hawaii. Uh, that seems – I would not have built that. I would have found somewhere in the middle of, of the US or the middle of Australia, you know, geologically stable. I mean, of course, in the US you've got Yellowstone and they're always talking about Yellowstone one day exploding, you know, in a massive super eruption, yeah. which would be a global catastrophe. Uh, I also saw on X that uh, people were saying, look, if, the, uh, if there is some sort of – major global schism and all these uh, rich people are down in their bunkers there'll be a bunch of people who'll be uh, bringing the concrete to uh, seal over the uh, the air <laughs> how unkind so, yeah how unkind but uh, yeah a lot of these global billionaires setting up these bunkers and again what do they know that we don't look it it, it never hurts to be a prepper i mean people who were preppers during the pandemic they they were said they had plenty of toilet paper they had plenty of food uh, of course, you don't want to you don't want to tell too many people you're a prepper because otherwise everybody will come to your place. And people like Glenn Beck, who are always <laughs> promoting the fact that they are preppers, know that people are going to come to them. And so they, you know, someone like Glenn Beck has tons of extra stuff because he knows he's going to be targeted. People will come to him for salvation. But uh, Hawaii, at least, is you know far away from a lot of other people. But uh, yeah, it's very suspicious that uh, yes. he's spending hundreds of millions of dollars building something that uh, is uh, you know excludes the rest of us. Exactly. All right. Oh, we're going to take a break. And then after the break, we've got a few more things to tell our viewers, but in particular, the end of the duopoly between Apple and Android, it's finally being broken. Now, whether you can get access to this third different platform and system is another question. We'll talk about that with Alex right after a break on TNT. Sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, make your environment safe by removing harmful items, activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts, reminders of things that make you feel strong, some of these steps might be tough to fill out, and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. The Kids Cancer Project funds vital research into childhood cancers. And you fund the Kids Cancer Project. 
Funding research means giving children back their lives. And who knows what kids with cancer could grow up to do. The Kids Cancer Project. Survival starts with science. Donate now. The Kids Cancer Project. The voice of a changing world. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Mike Ryan, the boss here at TNT, has joined the conversation about what Zuckerberg is up to. And he says Hawaii is mostly military and there's there are underground defence systems so that Hawaii will be one of the first targets if we're getting to a war that could lead to the end of the world. This is the absolute wrong place to set up a bunker. Sounds crazy to me. I mean, look, a lot of things that Mark Zuckerberg does are crazy. He's he's actually also setting up a uh, open source uh, artificial general intelligence. Who's going to trust it, even if it's open source? I mean, if it comes yes. from Zuckerberg, I don't want to know about it. Yes. All right. Let's talk about operating systems and things that we know about that could change forever. Huawei is still one of the biggest smartphone vendors in China, um, and Chinese are very proud of their Huawei against all the uh, the Western gizmos, but they've just announced their next operating system will ditch Android completely in China. Now, does this mean the duopoly of Apple or Android is over for the rest of our lives? Well, look, we're yet to see how successful Huawei is going to be. I mean, the current Huawei operating system, if you have a phone from before 2019, you're still using Android with the with the Play Store. But after Trump did the ban, Android uh, Huawei was only able to use the open source version of Android, which means it could run Android apps through a third-party store, didn't have access to Google Play. And in China, there's no Google Play anyway. China's banned it. Now, China has also discouraged, if not outright banned, people from using iOS or iPhones in the government. And in China, the people are very, uh, you know, loyal to Huawei. And Huawei wants to have a system that is completely free of Western influence. So they say that their system is three times more efficient than uh, Linux, which is the underlying system behind uh, Android. And they're saying that it has the highest of security, that it's uh, very AI friendly, and that uh, it's it's going to be a system that uh, will be open source for people around the world. Other companies can use it. They're saying they'd like to have 5,000 apps by the end of the year. They've already opened it up to developers, and they'll use this on smartphones, on tablets, on all their devices. It's called Harmony OS Next. Uh, they had uh, this launched at a developer conference last week. You can find information about it online. If it's successful, it will break the Android and iOS duopoly. Uh, and look, People have tried to break this before. Microsoft tried, and Microsoft's a huge company. They tried with Windows Phone, but that failed. Uh, Samsung had a thing called BADA, B-A-D-A. And that, at the time, four, five, six, seven, eight years ago, had more users than Windows Phone. But it was, it's difficult to get people to write apps for your operating system. But That's if anybody right. can do it, if anybody can do it, it's Huawei in a country with hundreds of millions, if, you know, if not over a billion users. So we will see. But uh, if anybody... But it, all, it, but it almost becomes an intranet then, doesn't it? Well, look, already in China, you have a whole series of app stores that are third-party stores that have nothing to do with Google Play. So already in China, the uh, Android ecosystem that is 
completely divorced from Google, except yeah. for the fact that it's using Android, is very strong. Yeah. And uh, it shouldn't be difficult for a lot of those apps to translate across. So, uh, you know, already China is very strong in in having a non-Google system. I mean, it's banned by the Chinese government. Nothing of Google is there. Even uh, It's only Hong Kong where you can actually have access to some of the, you know, Gmail and YouTube. In China, you have to use a VPN. So, yes, this is part of China's great firewall. They're trying to keep control of everything. But again, if anybody can do it, it's Huawei. And, you know, if this is successful, then we will see other smartphone providers offer this as an alternative uh, because they'll probably get it at a very good you know, price, probably get it for free from Huawei. And it just allows people to be not paying any royalties to uh, to Android, to, to have a completely independent system. And I'm sure there'll be other countries who would like to be free of US influence and potential spying. Yeah, true. All right. Now, Swifties, that is Taylor Swift fans, you should yeah. beware because the scammers are coming to get you, right? Yeah, there's been over $135,000 lost so far. And this is the ACCC Scam Watch is warning people they've received 273 reports of people being scammed buying Swift tickets on social media. People are apparently hacking into people's social media accounts and then offering tickets for sale, uh, you know, sending messages to friends list. So be very careful. Only buy these sorts of tickets from uh, the actual reputable sources. Don't buy you know, tickets that are resold. You don't know if they're legit. You don't want to go to a Taylor Swift concert having paid for the tickets and the accommodation no. just to turn up and find out that it was fake. It's just not worth the trouble. I mean, there's even stories of people who are trying to get jobs selling uh, Taylor Swift merchandise because they'll be at the venue. But uh, people who have overseas who've done this have said, look, there's no guarantee you'll be inside. You might be outside selling the merchandise. You'll, you'll hear everything, but you'll see none of it. And if you are sort of watching or taking photos while you're supposed to be selling merchandise, they'll be very unhappy with you. So just with these things, only go through official channels. Otherwise, you could pay the price and lose lots of money. We've got an entire population in the world that are highly trained scammers. And if yeah. something can be scammed, they'll find a way to do it. That is awfully sad. It is. And look, I saw this thing on uh, ABC television in Australia where they had these Cambodian uh, pig butcher farms, basically call centres. They were luring people yeah. from the Philippines and China and elsewhere with the promise of a, a job to be a nanny or somebody else. They'd take your passport and they'd force you to read scripts and, and have these fake relationships with people or sell fake tickets to various things. And so, you know, the, the, and they can't get their passport back. They're slaves. So there's a whole industry. It's Some of these people are forced to do it. Some of them are, are just outright evil but uh take everything with a giant grain of salt nothing is real anymore and uh you really have to go with official sources and even then be careful now did i hear right the wwe's flagship program raw has gone to another broadcaster netflix it has. They're spending over $5 billion over 10 years to secure the rights. Now, outside of the US, they're going to have SmackDown and one of the other shows is going to be part of the repertoire of Netflix programming. Netflix is getting into live sports broadcasting. I mean, oh. they've already done, they tried to bid for the F1, but uh, they missed out. We've got Apple who's doing stuff with ESPN on the Vision Pro and you have all this extra information. So there's a lot of movement towards streaming services, moving away from uh, the traditional broadcasters in australia we have stan who does the tennis and the cricket mm. and this Rugby. is a way for 
and rugby. Yeah, this is a way for uh, some of these streaming providers to get eyeballs, to get people paying for the services and to stay as subscribers. And Netflix hasn't really been part of this. They've sort of dallied around, but this is the first big move from Netflix and WWE, even though people, you know, uh, wonder how legitimate a lot of the wrestling is, if it's all just a big show or how legitimate it is, it's still a huge draw card and they're spending five US billion dollars. So you're going to see more and more of this uh, competition between streaming providers uh, and Netflix is the latest to spend big. Well, this is interesting because this is a broader problem for legacy television media. You know, in Australia, we haven't gone the way of the United States where, you know, legacy media, legacy television programs still dominate because they have brought up primarily all the major sporting events, all the major television events, etc. But if it's now full on, and it's not just Foxtel bidding on some of these sporting events, but you've got Netflix and maybe Paramount and others, well, where does that leave legacy television stations like channels 9, 10, 7? Well, you've got people like uh, Channel 9 who own Stan. So they're able to do a streaming play and have things on broadcast. You have Channel 7 who do the Olympics on the 7 Plus app, their own streaming app. I mean, you have the streaming apps from the freeware providers, which gives them some leeway into having uh, things that are broadcast on streaming and broadcast. And it's, look, it just, just comes down to how much the rights are worth, how much the companies are willing to pay. Yeah. Uh, to, to to keep it out of the hands of the other providers. And that's always been the case with broadcast. But now, of course, we have so many different channels. And with streaming, you can have so many different things playing at the same time. With free-to-wear, you only have two or three channels. You're not going to dedicate all those channels to just to the Olympics. You still want to be playing other things. But with streaming, you have a lot more leeway. So this look, hopefully this, this means more choice for consumers. But the problem is sure. you'll have to subscribe to everything. Amazon Prime, yeah. you know, Paramount in the in the yeah. States, you've got Hulu. And it's just it's uh everything is very distributed and you you'll be flashing the cash to to watch everything if that's what you want. And that's yeah. not necessarily consumer friendly to the wallet. Now a quick update on the Vision Pro headset craze. They're going like hotcakes, are they? Supposedly 180,000 have been sold. That's the estimation. There's uh, 400,000 in the initial batch. It's going to be coming February 2nd. So, you know, Apple is making them as quickly as they can, but it's been you know, selling like hotcakes. Uh, and uh, we just yet to see how much that's going to continue going because obviously all the early adopters want to get in and three and a half thousand is just the starting price. You still have to pay an extra 400 to get one terabyte. You could have spent 499 a year to get Apple Care. It's going to cost a couple of grand if you break your headset. So you're going to want the Apple Care. It's a huge amount of money, more than iPhones and iPads ever were. Uh, but uh, so far, it's been very positive and I personally can't wait for it to go global so I can uh, purchase one on a plan. I haven't got five thousand spare dollars, but I'll be able to buy, pay it off over a couple of years <laughs> when that's possible. Yeah, well, a lot of people might be in the same boat. Now, tell us about the shipments of used smartphones. This is an area we don't pay too much attention to. Yes, look, the biggest competitor to brand new smartphones is used smartphones, and I. Well, you mean refurbished actually, or just used? Well. IDC, who's put these stats out, strangely, they say that uh, according to their taxonomy, as they say here, a refurbished smartphone is a device, they say, that has been used and disposed of at a collection point by its owner. And they say once the device has been examined and classified as suitable for refurbishment, it's sent off to a facility 
for reconditioning and is eventually sold via a secondary market channel. But they're saying that this doesn't include hand-me-downs or devices gained from a person-to-person -person sale, like, you know, secondhand market. So it's a bit strange because when, oh. when I say refurbished, I always think that it's the secondhand market as well. But yeah. oddly, for IDC, it's not. Now, they're saying that uh, it's a huge market. They're saying that um, supply of your smartphones remains a critical challenge as refresh cycles, high price points, and macroeconomic challenges have all negatively impacted to the new smartphone market. They're saying that new smartphone sales will be down 3.5%. They're saying that the amount of uh, refurbished smartphones has jumped 10% since last year. So refurbished smartphones are still very popular because they're available at a cheaper price point. The phones are supported for longer than ever. One of the things I forgot to say was that um, the iPhone 6S and the iPhone 8, which do not get the latest iOS 17, they got updates. So if you've got an older Apple, you should still update. They're still good. People are still using them. And uh, the secondhand market, the refurbished market is stronger than ever. And it's a big challenge to new sales because no, no, people haven't got two, three grand to pay yeah. on a bike for a new phone. Yeah, amazing. Hey, I've run out of time. Fantastic to have you on the program. Terrific updates and really uh, hefty information there that people need to take notice of. Thank you very much, mate. And uh, we look forward to your program on Saturday night. Saturday, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Bye-bye. Thank you, mate. Alex Zaharoff Roy. i got to run. I'll leave you in the hands of Mr. McBride. And we'll be back at the same time tomorrow. This is Chris Smith on TNT.